You're back. Who's back? From where? I don't know. I haven't done a podcast in so long, Abe. <laughs> so it's been tired. a little while. It's been a crazy couple weeks, but uh, Austin's been How many thousand miles have you put on your RV recently? Uh, I've put like 3,200 miles on it in the last week and a half, week, week. Um, and in a vehicle that, that like only comfortably goes like 59 miles an hour, that takes a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we I know where you are. Yeah. Yeah, we hit mid-Ohio. That was an easy one. That's only like a six-hour drive or a six-and-a-half-hour drive. But, um, and that event went pretty good. That was like the best, probably the best, of, of my favorite event that I've ever like left the track and thought, oh, I liked that one. Uh, I usually don't like them. but well, It seems like both of us leave the event feeling like there was a bunch of stuff we could have done better or differently. Yeah, I and think you, Chris, and that I are event, both, we're both very critical of, uh, of ourselves uh, in that respect. Uh, but this event, I felt like, went really, really well. I I had a lot of trepidation going into it. I didn't sleep at all on Friday night because I was like nervous. I was just really nervous, and I had anxiety like flying out of my ear. In my, uh, I, f- I felt like it was coming out of all the pores in my body. Like it was just oozing out, and I was never going to be able to clean the sheets. <laughs> but well, you are an anxious guy. Uh, I'm not actually that anxious, uh, but like. Uh, leading up to it uh, was, and we'll we'll talk about it more with Derek later on. We're going to do a show. To, we're going to do record with him tomorrow, and then combine these. But uh, um, and he raced in the event. But uh, GLTC, like the first wheel to wheel event that we have we've ever done, uh, was at Mid Ohio, uh, and it went great. It went like amazing. It actually went better so than amazing. But we're uh, leading, pretty. Biased, I was leading up to it. I was I, nervous, but. I thought the whole event went pretty awesome, actually. GLTC was great. Yeah, it was... Uh, I don't know if we could have scripted it better. I didn't picture it being better, like, at all. I didn't picture it being possible, because, like, it was better than a runoffs race or, like, a championship race or, like, any regional I've ever been to. It was just, like, one of the more enjoyable races I've ever watched. Uh, and then there was five of them. driving all around. Yeah, there was five of them, five awesome races in the weekend, and uh, practice qualify on Saturday, and then practice on or qualify on Sunday morning, and then five awesome races combined, and it was just good, good vibes and good weather too. We've never had that uh, that good of weather at Mid Ohio. So I spent some time thinking about what um, maybe was the difference between GLTC and other wheel to wheel events, and I feel like at least in part the 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 TC group was small enough that all of those people knew each other and were like friends um, rather than necessarily just competitors. And a lot of them were. I'm I, 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 I wonder if that's everybody knew a couple part. people at least, yeah. Yep. But do you think that that maybe played a role in how clean the driving was and like just the general vibe of the event? I forget. Were you in the driver's meeting? Uh, yeah. You were in the, in the Turing Cup driver's meeting? Um, um, yeah, I think so. Uh, the basic, well, maybe actually you weren't, you might've gone straight to time attack meeting. I don't remember. I can't remember now. I can't remember what we did for driver's meeting when we did them, but I know we did, we did time attack meeting later. That's right. Um, basically I like, I, I almost begged the drivers, like I need perfection here cause this is going to be live streamed like, and thousands of people will be watching, uh, this race. Like it's gonna, it's gotta be good. Like it can't be stupid. Because then that that jeopardizes the future of the series and the, of the class, and um, it won't be as good if it's not perfect. And uh, like 
the main objective, like I've said on this show and on other shows and, you know, Ross's show and 10 Tenth's show, uh, whatever, um, like it, uh, the main objective is to make wheel to wheel look attainable and, uh, and accessible. Um, and like something that people want to do because otherwise wheel to wheel, like might have a hard time existing in 20 years, you know? Um, and they did it's it, just, they did it, they did it perfectly. <laughs> so. It's just so different compared to the events that we normally run. It was, it was refreshing to see, honestly. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I, I was, I was like, uh, I, I had this like fatherly pride beaming, even though like I didn't have anything to do with the way they drove except for like the driver's meeting and helping build the rule set. But like, it was just, it was, it was like a thing of beauty, uh, to see, uh, at the end of Saturday night, like just the, the vibes in the paddock and Ford's line did, uh, did a bunch of pizza and we had good old times and there was photo shoots happening and people were up until like 11 o'clock hanging out The The weather was solid. Uh, the racing was amazing. Everybody was just, it was just like the perfect race weekend. So, but we can talk yeah, more about um, that when Derek gets on. Derek had the best time ever, and then the worst toe ever getting home. <laughs> yeah, I heard a little bit about that. Yeah, he had some trailer uh, issues. But. Speaking of towing, uh, uneventful drive back. Dude, did you know how far Daytona is from Chicago? Uh, I'm going to guess. Is it 1,500 miles? No, <laughs> it's actually not that far. It's 11, it's a, basically, it's 1,200 miles. Um, Gross. And that's so far in a slow RV. <laughs> it's the farthest place I've ever gone. Um, I've never towed that far or that many hours in the RV straight. We left Wednesday uh, to go. Basically, the, the premise of why we were going there was the season champions from Time Attack last year for Grid Life, um, they won a prize, and the prize was a chump car race or champ car race, now that they call it. Um, the year before it was a Bondurant school and now Bondurant school kind of went, went pear shaped. Things got strange there. Um, and so we thought, well, racing's fun. Let's, uh, let's go, let's go racing and power stop. Chris Miller from power stop thought it was a red idea. And he basically power stop is presenting the, the championship, uh, award. Um, so they, uh, Chris had a big part in it. Um, and so we decided, uh, why not go to Daytona? Because like Daytona is like the biggest, baddest place in the world, right? Um, and uh, it's also was it's it? also like the opposite side of the country. <laughs> it's really far, but uh, yeah, it was amazing. Like that track, I've never been there. Like I've, I've maybe when I was a kid, before that, before it was what it is, um, or before it, is, I don't know. But it uh, it's huge. It's like the. Have you been there before? Nope. Dude, like the timing tower is, it's like 20 stories tall. (laughs) It's sick. And it's, it's like, like the grandstands are a quarter of a mile long. It's insane. Like it's literally nuts. Um, you drive so you're saying we should do an event at uh, Daytona? No, I'm not saying that at all. I can't, I can only imagine how expensive it is, but, um, there was this atmosphere there, uh, and Mike Taylor was texting me about it beforehand. And then, like while I was there on Saturday night, uh, I got out of the car. I actually drove. Uh, Josh Orr, um, our street champion from last year, he 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 drove a stint. He, he drove a super clean stint, and it was hot. And he was like, "I love wheel to wheel, but like I got out of that car, 
I don't have to pay for it because I didn't crash it. And you want to take the next one? <laughs> and so he he put me in. I was I was kind of the backup reserve driver. Um, okay. So I got I got to take his second stint, which was uh, which was rad. Uh, I'm super grateful to Josh for that. Uh, I feel bad that he didn't drive again, but he seemed to have a really good time regardless. He was uh, he was vibing with uh, with doing pit stops and everybody has to be suited up for pit stops and everything for fire for for fire reasons you know for fueling the car and changing the driver and stuff so we had a really good camaraderie with that and stuff but um, the the team was solid um, but that place like just being in the presence of that place Mike Taylor texted me beforehand um, that like there's like a spiritual aspect of just being there like especially under the lights. Um, it's it's like uh it's like a different world it's hard to explain uh and i can't believe they let like regular people like us drive there it was it was wild man it was just unreal uh, and i want to go back next year regardless of how i go there it was that it was just amazing it was just a crazy crazy experience that sounds uh, yeah. wild uh it it uh the, so we drove Tom O'Gorman's uh, old B spec fit uh, I towed it down. I, basically, my job was to to handle the logistics of the event, which was get the car there, get all the tools there, get all the stuff there. Um, I bought a pit cart from Ed at Auto Assets, uh, an old. Did you I use it? it? Was an old, dude, dude, it was so cool. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> it pulls out, and like uh, you got a bench up there, you got a place for the laptops, a couple of people sitting up there on radios. You get all these fold down table or fold down uh, shelves and stuff that uh, you know you can put everything on charge everything you plug it all in it's it was the best we felt like we felt like a an almost pro team um but uh so we drove tom o'gorman's old b-spec fit uh which has been k-swapped by brian hasport um it's a second gen fit and so it was kind of k-swapped as i think like a prototype kind of thing like figure out how to make it work and uh, it's got a tsx motor in it and uh uh, Scott Giles and Gordon and Renee and Tom and some other buddies have done a few chump and WRL races with it. Uh, and kind of the weak link with it is it can only go about an hour and 10 minutes on a full tank of gas. Um, and the limit, you can only go two hours in the series. So everybody goes two hours uh, between Got fuel ups. And uh, so mandatory and that, is that just minute. because it's using the OEM fuel tank and uh, uh, yeah, that's a thirst, thirsty motor and, for an OEM tank? And there's a there's a problem with it that doesn't burp well when you fill it fast. Um, when you try to fill it, like it just doesn't. You can only put eight gallons in, so there's still two gallons somewhere in there, but it starves and doesn't. You know, it does you can't use those two gallons. Um, so we put eight gallons in. It uses an eight it uses eight gallons in about an hour and ten or hour and fifteen, depending on on uh, yellow flags and stuff. But I think the longest we went was about an hour and a half because we had a big yellow. Um, and everybody else is going two hours. So we're trying to make up. Uh, on, we were in B class, which is like, there's an A class, which is 1.8 liters and under. And B class is 1.81, I guess, up to 2.99 or something. Um, and then C class That sounds class like a competitive is, class. Holy cow. It, it was. There's a, there's a wide variety. And the C class is like three liter and up. Um, and then there's also EC, which is like exhibition class or whatever. Uh, and that uh, that included like IMSA cars and stuff. It was it was a huge crazy field, and so um, there was 120 that cars. Terrifying. It, actually, it wasn't. The fit is so fast. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> so there's 120 cars, and we took the start at 9 a.m. 
We put Tom in because Tom knows the car. He knows Daytona, obviously. He just won an IMSA race there. Um, and uh, and it was his car, too. So if it's going to get wrecked, Tom wrecks it, then we don't have to pay for it, right? Um, sure. So in the first stint, Tom passed basically everyone. <laughs> he started, like, dead last. I think he was, like, fifth to last to roll onto grid. Um and then there was a point in the first stint that we were in first place. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think he passed everyone or timing and scoring is wrong. I don't really know. but um, So the, did, did anyone else in the uh, pits give you shit about bringing a ringer to, to, to drive for you? No, everybody knows Tom. And, like, Tom was driving other cars, too, like the Hong North guys, uh, Mike Taylor's buddies, Kevin Boswell, and a couple of other dudes in an MX-3. They, they grabbed Tom and put him in the car. And Tom actually beat Mike's record in the car. Mike held the record uh, for the for the fastest lap at Daytona, um, and that car is like super slippery. It goes over 140 miles an hour with a stock Miata 1.8 liter front wheel wow. turned sideways, um, and and the fit only went like 135, but uh, he ran like a 220 point something. Um, and Tom ran a two twenty point something. All, that was the fastest of the of the the day uh, up until like the last five minutes. The fastest of the day in the fit was also like two twenty. And uh, and then on dead tires, like they were dead. They they were the same tires we ran all day. Um, on dead tires, uh, like second to last lap, Tom ran a two eighteen, and then he backed it up with a two nineteen. So the, the two the, he 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 opened and closed the race basically in the fit, but. Um, yeah, uh, we had Mike Puglisi in the car, James Houghton in the car, um, Josh Orr, and Brad Yonkers and Matt DeRoos, because Matt DeRoos and Brad Yonkers were uh, were co-drivers, uh, so they co-won Street Mod uh, last gotcha. year. But, uh, yeah, and, uh, Brad's wife came down. Uh, she she made some food with it, or brought some food for us, and then uh, Chris Stewart and Chris Miller uh, catered uh, our, our pits with... Uh, with barbecue, that was cool. We we were we were kind of living the pro life, but um, so jealous. It was it was there was brisket, there's pulled pork, there's it was ridiculous. It it was like track day picnic at Daytona. It was. We're we're literally in pit stall thirty five, and we're having a feast. and And I have this like ex IndyCar pit cart that I bought from Eddie for way too cheap. Um, and uh, we have two beautiful grid life canopies. And we have a video crew. We have, you know, Ben from Gears and Gasoline there. He's doing video of everything. And like, we must have looked like the bunch, the biggest bunch of. Uh, Mike Cohn put it put it the the best. Uh, we got radios. We got we got laptops everywhere. And Mike goes, man, we probably look like the biggest group of chodes ever. <laughs> <laughs> but we had so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and you know we're loaning out parts and we're borrowing parts and it was just a regular like chump race you know or champ race whatever they that's call it awesome now. but um it uh it was just the best it was just the best day and we ended up finishing out of 120 cars we finished ninth and then uh, we got p2 in b class by like one lap that's or something it was amazing. so close if if we had a car that go, that went two hours we we calculated it had we ran like as clean as we did it was totally clean we never had any issues uh, everybody drove awesome, um, except for me. I had the, I, I actually had the biggest issues. I'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but uh, just bad uh, luck all around. Uh, it wasn't actually my fault, uh, and I'll, I'll explain in a moment. But um, everybody drove totally clean, no crashes, no hitting anybody. Really, we had like one little like tire donut 
on the side of the car. Somebody just rubbed us once, but uh, um, I forget who was driving there. But uh, no, no damage to the car at all. Um, tires held up, uh, com- like really impressively. Uh, the brakes held up. We had to change rotors when I was in the car. That was the only issue we had at, at like ten hours. Uh, we lost a set of we lost the rotors, but that was because we pulled the wheels off and then they just unloaded and cracked the rotors, you know. But so um, uh, I want to ask we about got, this because we, we I, I want to figure it out. When uh, when you break a rotor and uh, they're still like nearly red hot, how long do you wait before the courageous guy decides that you're just going to rip it off and put the next one on? Um, uh, you do it real fast, and that's why I brought welding gloves. So. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, I brought I brought big, huge welding gloves and uh, and impact tools to get the and we had the rotors just slid over the studs. They didn't have the little screws holding them on. So basically, you pull the wheel off and the rotors kind of bouncing, and then you just pull the caliper quick, drop the rotor, put a new rotor on. Um, so I got in the car and I was nervous to get in the car. Like I haven't driven in a wheel to wheel environment in probably like two years. It's been a while. Okay. Um, I've been on track uh, and I'm you know I'm I'm confident. I'm confident in my ability to not bin the car and not hit anybody. But, like, I hadn't slept much, like, driving down. We left Wednesday in the middle of the night. Um, we literally left at midnight on Wednesday night. So I started driving on Thursday. And we got, didn't get there until Friday, like, at noon because uh, it's forever to get there. We stopped somewhere and slept. Uh, we took the RV and, the, and my, inclo- my small enclosed trailer. And we, it was just all filled to the gills, you know, like long drive. Um, and... Uh, we had four guys in the RV going down and three coming back. Chris uh, Stewart from Gridlife stayed down there because his family flew down. It was uh, his son's 10th birthday, so they went to uh, Florida for a couple-day vacation. They're still there. but um, So I was, like, sleep-deprived. I get in the car, and I'm, like, trying to focus. I don't know where I'm at. Like, I've never I've never even driven this track on iRacing. Um, I can't say I've watched more than, like, five laps of in-car, and... Uh, and my brain was in my brain was like in crew chief mode like i was like the mechanical crew chief like coordinating the pit stops i wasn't on the radio but like i'm bringing fuel back and forth i'm coordinating like you know the who's doing what i'm refilling the fuel tanks we're doing all that stuff right um mike cohen and chris miller were on the radio doing strategy and stuff and uh, we had a really good team for that stuff but um so my brain's not really into driving but i'm like dude i'm driving daytona joshua says he ain't going like fine I'm ready. Let's let's figure it out, right? Because like you don't get too many shots to drive Daytona under the lights, like at dusk and then into sure. the dark. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought I'm not passing it up. I'm just doing it. Um, so I climb into my driver's suit, and uh, I was in the driver's suit for a couple hours, and I'm like trying to focus. I walked around the track, looking at looking at it from different angles and stuff. Uh, I did a fuel stop in the driver's suit. I'm feeling just comfortable, you know. I get in the car, and. Um, uh, they wanted to change the front tires, and we had ran all day on them. And I was like, "Why don't we just leave them alone?" And they're like, "No, it's kind of, the one's kind of bad. Let's just change it." And I thought they were changing both front tires because um, we only had we only had one set that size, and then we had a different set of front tires, which were two forty five rivals, like a taller, slightly taller tire, wider, different offset wheel. And I get in the car, and then they jack the car up. You can fuel the car at the same time as you're doing a driver change, but you can't do anything else. Um, and then once the fuel cap is back on, you can work on the car. And you have a five-minute mandatory pit stop, right? Okay. Um, so in two and a half minutes, we had it fueled. They had enough time to change the wheels. I'm getting buckled in. You know, I'm feeling the car out. Like, I had only sat in the car to drive it in and out of the trailer, you know, and check it all out. But 
um, I thought, well, it's a Honda Fit. I know what a Fit drives like, and I know how to, how how a evil Honda drives. I know how a boring Honda drives. I can figure the car out. Like I wasn't worried about that stuff. And then uh, James Houghton, uh, he gets in the window. He's like, the one rotor's really cracked. Um, and uh, and I said, and, he, and I said, how long's left in the pit? And he's like, it's ready. You can go now. Like we were almost at five minutes. And I was like, let's just go. We'll figure it out. Um, and because we had, they came in under a yellow caution, a full course yellow. So you're, you're, it's the best time to pit. Um, and I thought, well, the yellow is not gonna last forever. Let's just go out and feel it out. Maybe, maybe it'll be fine. Right. Maybe we'll just deal with it next time when they're more prepared to change the rotors. Right. And, uh, sure. I didn't know that they had only put one rival on. So I'm on a 225, uh, shorter tire with a different offset wheel on the left side. And I'm on a wider offset. 245 rival on the right and they didn't realize they were different offsets and different size wheels and daytona you go 140 miles an hour into a pretty start pretty sharp braking zone um and like the front wheel drive car like the front wheels should probably be the same size right probably so i bet the differential love that yeah well it's a it's a gear type differential it wasn't that big of a deal so i roll onto the track and i'm like that's kind of darty but whatever you know and uh <laughs> you're gonna see where this is gonna go but um and so i'm I'm like follow I, I get onto track and i'm following a slow car around um it was actually our, our neighbors i come up behind this vw bug the guys next to us they were driving literally a stock vw bug like air cooled and everything um it had like a it had like 1600 cc kit or something it made like 80 horsepower but it weighed 1,700 pounds, and so I'm following this dude around through the infield just to see where it goes, you know, because I literally don't know if it goes left or right. And I get onto the high banks uh, out of turn six, and then I just, you know, I start rolling into it. I pass the bug, um, and I'm like, wow, this thing has got some power, right? And I'm dropping down towards the bus stop, and I hit the brakes. Uh, I, and, I, and I instinctively, like, left foot tapped the brakes a couple times just to feel if the pedal was there, and it was fine. And I hit the brakes, and then the car goes kind of sideways. Like, it starts to twist. I'm like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, like, whatever. I do the bus stop, like, at a decent pace. I'm like, well, that's a fun bus stop. It's pretty flat. You can really jump those curbs, right? This is all great. I get back onto the banks, you know. And I'm rounding uh, whatever that turn is, coming under the lights, heading towards the start-finish. And uh, I cross uh, start-finish. I'm like, wow, look at me. I'm driving Daytona. And I go for the brakes into turn one at about, I mean, at the fastest, we're probably going about 140. I think DeRue said that the fastest we actually went, and the speedo was pegged at 140. He said it was like 135 or something, but uh, on, on an aim solo. But <laughs> I go for the brakes, like into braking zone one. And Mike, t- and I'm thinking, and Mike Taylor is in my ear because he had talked me through a lap, like on the phone the day before. And he's like, you can go way deeper into turn one than you think. Just outbreak everybody there. That's the secret in turn, into turn one. You turn in late and you just, that's the hustle way through that turn. And Tom had echoed the same thing. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to break early. You know, I'm just going to feel it out. I don't know. There's no braking markers at turn one. Um, and it's starting to get dark. It's pretty dark. Like the, the sun sets coming down. It's kind of in my eyes and I'm like, I'm just going to feel it out for like three laps and then we'll start trying to send it. Right. Uh, I go for the brakes into turn one and the pedal goes to the floor. (laughs) 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 Like a hundred and I don't know, 20, 125. Like it goes straight to the floor. I'm like, well, crap. I start furiously (laughs) pumping. And after about three pumps, I got a little bit of the pedal back and it started to slow down and the car turns and I drift all of turn one. 
I mean, I mean, I drift all the way down, and like I felt it, like it must have looked pretty good because I was opposite lock, wide open throttle, um, and I made it. I didn't even get off track. Like I got all the way out to the grass, and then the car like actually hit the apex. It must have also. It must have actually looked cool, <laughs> but I was freaking out. Like, well, that's not good. Um, and so I radio over to Chris and Mike on the radio, and uh, I said, "Well, the pedal went to the floor. The rotor's the rotor's knocking the pads back." Like the uh, my theory is that when they pulled the the wheel off, the rotor then is now not tight to anything, and it can sure. just it, it can distort and it just split because it had been out there for ten hours. It's a, it's a Mini Cooper S. It's a Mini Cooper stock rotor, like a twelve inch or whatever, eleven seven five. It's not like a big rotor, but it's plenty for Daytona. But it, it was a stock rotor and it had seen, you know, a lot of hours. Um, and I said, we need to change rotors. They're bad. It's knocking the pads back and the pedal's going to the floor. And uh, and they said, all right, give us a couple laps. We'll figure it out. And they got all the tools ready. They changed the rotor really fast. And while I pull in, I said, uh, can we throw those other tires on? And somebody says, we only changed one. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> That's why the car was turning <laughs> sideways. <laughs> so yeah, they, no I, one so, made it easy for you. No, uh, James thought there was like the same with the same offset and stuff. Uh, but uh, no, it was my first couple laps at Daytona under the dark, under the dust, into dusk, and like, and the sun's in my eyes too, like coming around the second banking, heading towards start finish. Like the sun is in my eyes, so I put my hand up, and I'm just trying to watch the line like a hundred feet in front of the car, you know. Uh, it was nerve-wracking, like a couple laps, um, and the, the pedals going to the floor, and the cars turning sideways. <laughs> and then uh, they they did a really fast rotor change. Um, they were all set to go. They jet they had, they had borrowed a jack from our neighbors with the bug, uh, jacked up both sides at a time, zipped the wheels off, and they put the the original two twenty fives back on. And they they ended up making the whole. They lasted the whole race, um, and uh, and they were good too. Time ran the fastest lap at the end of the race. But the track was better too when it was cold. But which um, uh, which two twenty fives did you use? What tire was we, it? We we uh, basically Maxxis has given us a whole set of tires for the year, but um, we didn't get them in time, so we we used some Nexons that we had. Um, so uh, the next uh, the next races that the car goes on will be on on Maxxis to see how long they can last. Uh, Maxxis is a tire partner of of Grid Life has been for a couple of years, so. But we couldn't get them in time. Well, if there so. if there's another endurance race on the calendar this year, I will uh, definitely will, be will definitely here. Try to attend, huh? Yeah, right. But I was impressed with the had a, they they held up somehow. But that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I had a uh, a pretty long week last week, so I was uh, I left Mid Ohio and went straight to work up in Northern Michigan, um, and I was there until Friday, where I drove back to week. Indy and like got. I don't know, some stuff done on Friday night and then worked on chores and yard work and stuff all day on Friday and yeah. or Saturday and Sunday, which was a whole week decidedly less fun <laughs> than uh, than being at Daytona. Well, the the drive down and the drive back made uh, it was like punishing uh, for so it made it made the fun like I felt like I earned Offset. the fun <laughs> a lot. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the team was great. It was solid. We had so much fun. It was just like those, it was, it was uh, the best day. So. What was it? Tom and, and grid life were posting little Instagram stories where everyone was like, uh, like cast as a movie character or something goofy like that. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. The, the, uh, gears and gasoline, Ben, uh, 
and Chris put together a little like, and the theme song was the was the song from the Daytona uh, uh, video game, uh, and just a you know just a joke sitcom intro that was kind of the first piece of uh, of of a video that came out of it, but uh, it was uh, it was it was so silly and so fun, and dude, well, and, and you you. You lived up to your nickname. You're the Night Ripper, so that's good. Yeah, I, d- I did rip at night. Um, the Night Ripper in in that uh, in that references my 2009 Super Street article. I think it's 2009, but uh, they they called my car the Night Ripper, and I still don't know why. But um, sounds cool, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah that uh, that uh, that was a good weekend. The drive back was hard. Uh, it was it's it felt it, it it went well. I mean, the RV was a champ. The RV was 100% solid. I don't know how that happened. That's so far, and it's 30 years That's old. Crazy. Um, That's crazy. That's crazy. We went up a well, giant Well, you'd done, you'd done some work on the, the front end of the trip to make sure that everything was yeah, good. Yeah, I, I, I put new front end, new, new tires, repacked the bearings. Uh, I, changed, uh, I changed the turbo oil feed line because it was looking corroded. I, I had a bunch of spare parts. I knew new spare belt and all kinds of stuff. I didn't need any of them, but... The thing didn't use a drop of oil, didn't leak a drop of oil, ran perfect the entire time, um, and I'm really in love with the RV right now. It uh, it's so good to be able to like, oh, I'm tired, and then like you know the other guys are Sleep. tired of keeping me up, and we just find like a we find a freaking truck stop, and we park, and then we you know the it'd really be to, to your benefit if you could uh, uh, teach and trust someone else how to drive the RV. Um, it's really hard. You'd probably really hard go a lot farther. Though. So the, the way down, um, there was wind advisories the whole way down. Um, and that thing in the wind with an enclosed trailer, basically, like, it, it starts moving the front of the bus, and then you correct it, and then it pushes the back of the bus, and then the trailer starts whipping, and it's pushing that. So the entire way, I'm, like, sawing at the wheel for 20 straight hours. <laughs> um, and we had a headwind three-quarters of the way down. Until we got to, like, the bottom of Georgia, we had a headwind and a crosswind, and then it just, like, got quiet, and then it got calm, and that was easy. Um, on the way back, we had a tailwind for most of it, so we are going faster, um, and a little bit of crosswind, and then we got into, um, into south of Atlanta area, uh, right, by, right, right by Chattanooga, not Chattanooga, no, right by... Uh, Macon, I mean Georgia, uh, and and we were in a tor- we were in tornado warnings, so that was fun, <laughs> and uh, and a lot of wind, um, and then a ton of wind around Chattanooga, and then it got got pretty peaceful. So the rest of the ride uh, was pretty nice, but uh, it was uh, it was a long it's a long ride, it's a lot of hours. But I was glad to have the company of of Cone and Darus, and and uh, it was it was pretty chill we we had a good time listened to a bunch of music talked about a bunch of crap i was going to record a podcast but it's so noisy in there and like sure. my brain just wasn't like i haven't felt like i've like i've been in storyteller mode or interviewer mode lately cuz i feel like i'm just 100% in in like work mode um sure cuz my job i i have a big task ahead of me at any point like i'm i'm leading into an event i'm doing an event i'm prepping for an event i'm driving a giant 62 foot rig in the wind getting blown around like i've i've always felt too busy to to do a show but so that's why we're doing a show right now to to try and do well you know, get this stuff all fresh of, right? uh, speaking of RVs i've got i've got RVs on the brain and yeah, you uh, do. Ashley's not really entertaining it. She's like, man, if you sell the Evo, you can, you know, we, we could try. But yeah. um, 
we're we're taking a lot of trips this year. Uh, Grid life's on the road quite a bit, and um, we're driving to Montreal to go to the Canadian Grand Prix in oh, cool. a couple yeah. months. And uh, yeah, Ashley decided it was her idea. So uh, man, she's the coolest. and we're we're gonna go to the U.S. Grand Prix in October. And a bunch of other stuff. And it would be like, man, you know, this would be a lot cooler if you could just drive your house around. It would. Um, the, the problem is that, like, uh, van life RV is like Austin was on the front end of this trend. But van life is expensive, man. Like, to it's buy something cheap. that's converted already, uh, it's, it's unbelievably expensive. And, you know, you look at, like, the nuts and bolts on the inside, and it's not that complicated. Um, but yeah. to convert it, you, you spend a lot of time. Um, and then you're also kind of minimal on space too. You really don't. It's 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 basically better camping. It's better tent yeah. camping. You know. Well, I mean, you know that like when uh, every time we go to a grid life event, uh, if Ashley and I go together, we have to pay a dog sitter and we have to coordinate that. And it would just be so much easier if they could just jump in the van and like yeah. stay in the AC in the day and like go out and walk around and do whatever. But like, yeah. it would just be. It would be easier if there was a way that your we could dogs just pack are pretty chill too. They'd probably do okay, but yeah, yeah, they're good. Um, and then, and then if you so, buy an RV, then you come on, then you come into the problems that I've always found, and that you know everybody with an RV has found that they're built by drunk Indiana people. Um, yeah, poorly. Uh, well, I think but, that's why the vans are rad. more expensive. The, the reason I think the reason that vans are more expensive is because they like they aren't built as piles of shit. A lot um, of them are. It seems like a lot of the custom ones are really, really, really well done. And you're going to pay for some yeah. of that. But uh, um, like a now, sports what's mobile, funny is uh, there's uh, a ton of one of my cohort- a ton of stuff in that. But like four wheel drive and lifted and all that stuff. But uh, uh, I don't need any of that crap. Even custom stuff like people put a lot of money in these things. So I've got a uh, coworker that is also a, a car guy and track guy, um, and he's also like the person that I would go to to build anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. You told me about just this literally thing. anything that that's what his job is at work. Um, and he's been talking to me about transit vans and how he wants to convert one. And the yeah. upside on a transit is just that it's uh, a lot cheaper than a sprinter. Yep. And uh, you know, like well, it's probably, and it's also it's domestic not diesel. based. It's domestic. Yep. And so you, you and, and it's also probably easier to fix. I've heard they're decently easy to work on. So. Well, and I guess from what I understand, uh, mechanically, they're also um, uh, the, the reliability on those has been like measurably good. Yeah. So yeah. they share a lot of parts um, with like the F one fifty and stuff like that. So um, the uh, you know the downside is that it's not diesel, but I think uh, diesel. I have no idea what the nowadays. fuel economy would be, but yeah. I mean, for for most things, I mean, just being able to get like twenty miles per gallon in a van with your dogs and your house yeah. and all that stuff with you does sound awesome. Our, our, our buddy, Chris and I have a buddy from years and years and years ago and he listens to the show. Uh, and he also is like one of the lead shooters for the Ken Black Jim kind of series. And he does all Ford's video and he's like the, our, our lead with our grid life live stream. And that's what he does for a living. He's, he travels, travels the world and he like does video stuff, uh, Matt. And he's, they call him magic on the Hoonigan, um, stuff and on the uh, making of Jim Connor series. Um, and, and he's, he's a brilliant dude. And he also has a Ford transit van that he converted into a RV and him and his I wife travel all awesome. over the place. And it's so cool. It's so cool. Um, yeah. He was talking to me about it. He said that originally she had, uh, 
some reservations, but now she has an espresso machine and a wine fridge, and she's pretty much sold on the van. <laughs> yeah, the van is now dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it only takes like a few. It's it, to beat a tent. Like it doesn't take a lot to beat a tent. Like a a, a furnace and a wine fridge. Like that slays compared to a tent. <laughs> You're right. So so, so I, much. I, I honestly haven't had like a serious conversation with with Ashley about it. Like I would be interested to know what her real wants are. I mean, yeah, because yeah, like to have a toilet inside is like I guess uh, a feature. And have it's, a shower but inside is a feature. But more but are of the, a, either of those of things are like a need. Yeah. yeah, right. Like uh, most tracks we go to have facilities. So like really, what I'm talking about is a place to sleep and yeah. to like get out of the noise and to be in some kind of air conditioning when it's unbearable at Autobahn this year. The, uh, the yeah, those couple things like even a place like to just hide and have it be cold and and you know. To be cold at night when it's a hundred degrees outside is huge, and not have to pay yeah, two hundred right. bucks for a hotel room and drive, and drive twenty five minutes away from the track. Yeah, that's like that. that's the thing that kills me. Is uh, one, I like staying at the track because I like to hang out with people, but yeah. uh, to to drive twenty or thirty minutes to a hotel to sleep for four hours and then get up and shower and come do it again is tough, man. Yeah, like it. It, it usually it ends up being like an hour less sleep that you got. You know. Um, that's half the reason I wanted to get an RV myself is because I wanted to sleep more and I wanted to be able to wake up and like, uh, I've, I've done driver's meetings over the PA from my bed. Like, cause I had the mic <laughs> at Hanami last, I think it was Hanami last year. I was like, all right, doing the driver's meeting over the PA yesterday on Sunday, like, uh, Saturday was good. Uh, all right. And so we talked about the couple things and I was in my boxers laying in bed and I uh, I just chilled there for a little bit. Like, it was the best. And everybody appreciates, like, you know, that, oh, Adam's here, and he's doing the driver's meeting right now, and I don't have to go to the driver's meeting. Like, I wanted You're to just You're letting everybody there. know all your secrets. I wanted, well, it's, I, t- I talked about it over the PA. But it uh, I wanted to just be there and not, not be sleeping in the back of a pickup truck or, like, hiding in a tent or inside of a trailer or something. Um the uh, I think the other upside is um, like being able. I live in an HOA and I hate living in an HOA. But where where we are, it was almost impossible to not have to yeah. make that choice. Yeah, you either uh, live with an HOA if, or you live on a farm where you live. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And uh, what having a van would allow you to do is to park your van in your driveway and That's not true. have anyone have any ammunition for saying you're parking your RV in the driveway. And then not have to like pay storage fees and stuff. But, oh yeah, so but, I, I uh, think storage around here is a hundred bucks a month, and like if you're already paying on an RV, paying an additional hundred on storage, that sounds like it sucks. What if uh, I mean your dad lives a little bit of ways away, but he's got some land, doesn't he? He uh, yeah, he just bought a farm actually. Maybe, maybe um, he's uh, trying maybe to build a pole barn. Yeah, I would leave it at his house for most of the winter months, probably. Well, you can just but, go. His house is probably like semi on the way to half of the tracks, anyway. But it's pretty close to on the way to Gingerman. Yeah. So um, uh, last year at round five, I stopped at his house and picked up a giant travel trailer and towed it with yeah. the Jeep. That yeah. was uh, hilarious and awesome at the same time. Um, but I don't know. Just being able to drive your your rig around it seems better to me. Well, and it could be like if you did a van, um, say say you did a Transit or or something like that, or a Conline or a Chevy Express or whatever. Um, 
it uh, it could be something that you could take to work too. It doesn't have to just park all the time. You could drive it two or three That's days true. a week just to keep it keep it just to keep it like fresh, you know. Um, I have it on uh, good authority that uh, no one who appreciates the quality of their own life should ever buy an express van with a Duramax. Why? Uh, because they're unbearable to work on. Oh, they are tough to work on. I've heard that. I've heard so that they are. My buddy Adam, like, who it, also listens to the show, of he, he met him at Mid Ohio. He was just, yeah. he was just like, "Don't do it." Every time I go, <laughs> so he works at a, a shop in Ohio, and uh, if if I remember the story right, he said that he just basically tells people he doesn't know how to work on those. <laughs> the, uh, the 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 Ford the Ford uh, seven three diesel. Uh, in the older Econo lines is really similar. It's it's a lot of, uh, although mine my old one is for sale right now. By the way, um, he wants about he wants a couple grand for it. I, I used to have a seven point three Econo line, and I was going to build it into one of these, and then I ended up buying the RV. But um, he's he's looking to sell. I it think for a what we grand. need, you know, how you have like a a chop top build out party. We should just have a van conversion build out. I mean, we party. we could build you a nice little van in about two weekends, and you only live a couple hours That's from me. It's not hard. That sounds awesome. It's, it's it, it would be more about pre-planning than anything, you know. But um, so the question would be like, I mean, if you were making that list, the problem is you and I never have two weekends free ever. Well, we will in the winter time. That'd be about it. But that uh, does sound nice. You you got an, you got enough time off that you could probably come up during the day, and we could I could work on it at night, and I give you jobs during the day, you know. Yeah, I'd probably but, do that. I'd probably if, like if, get frustrated and just sit in the floor of the RV and cry. <laughs> if I were building one, I would I would start with the big basics, and it would be do a roof mount AC, do a sub a sub box breaker that you can plug into the you know to the wall or whatever um, to the building or to my generator or something like that. Um, and then I would also probably start with the bed. I would figure out how big the bed's going to be. I'd make the bed, and I'd also build. The storage, I design where the bed goes based on what the storage needs are. And if the storage needs are minimal, then you figure out where you're going to put your clothes. If the storage needs are huge, maybe the bed goes up and down. And um, and then you uh, you divvy up the remaining space into, like, refrigerator and, like, a little sink and a water tank. And uh, yep. maybe a composting so toilet. I, I haven't really like looked that. into it too much. Like, how much... Uh or how much extra work is it to have uh, a stove? Like I've seen some with that. I don't understand like I, what I kind of plumbing and ventilation. I don't know if I would even that. put a stove in like, like I'm half tempted to take my stove out and just go to Ikea and buy one of those, uh, um, uh, one of those really cool like cooktop things. That's the, you buy the special pan for it and you put it on there. Uh, oh, an induction top. Yeah. And, and, and like, like they make little induction cooktops. Like to me, that would be like the no brainer. Uh, if you got enough power, you just run that thing. But uh, it, uh, you could also so just one of the, you know, do, one of the awesome do the Coleman things about, cap stove. But, you know, you do yeah, that that's an option, too. But. One of the awesome things about the travel trailer was that we had an oven, and yeah. that meant I could cook pizza rolls uh, in it between uh, sessions yeah. and try and get some food because we hadn't eaten all day. You know what's better than an oven? You go buy, like, an $89 air fryer. and then Oh, you, dude. You, yeah. You you set up a table outside and you got your freaking induction cooktop. You got an air fryer and you <laughs> an are in fryer. you are in freaking business. You're making the best pizza rolls. You're making freaking bacon. You're making everything, and it all takes that four minutes. Awesome. And it's and it's better than your stupid propane oven. I want to I want to rip yeah, my oven right. out. I want to rip my oven out and drop it on shitty i sixty five. Stupid <laughs> oven. Hate that oven. 
You well, reach so inside, like, you gotta let's use Gingerman as an example. When you needed um, power, like yeah. how many RVs can plug in to run an air fryer uh, in the power circuits that are at Gingerman? Uh, air fryers wouldn't pull that much power, but like your AC unit probably fifteen hundred watts. Yeah, well, probably a little less than that. But your AC is going to pull more than that on startup, uh, depending on what you do. But uh, the AC is the biggest power drain, and then microwave, and then coffee maker, and coffee maker microwave would probably be similar to air fryer. But uh, but but if you're if you're thinking about that, then you you, know, you just put a three thousand watt generator on anything. Go to Harbor Freight, buy one of them so, predators or something. But. <laughs> So, uh, so I just what like yeah. I, I'm really interested to know the the people who um, you know cut some of the panel out of the side of their van to put a window in. Where do they yeah. source glass and stuff like that to get that to work? Uh, there are pre-made window kits for stuff like that, or you could just find a guy like me, order a piece of glass. Mm. You know, you're you're like really the the great guy to know for this project. There are there are a lot of like. Most of the companies that do all this stuff are in like Napanee area, Indiana. Uh, like you know, uh, that's Challen- that's my old stomping ground, right? Yeah, Challenger Door. Uh, like they make most of the RV doors, or they like own the company that makes the other RV doors. I bought I bought a couple doors from them, um, and then I think they own a glass company, or there's a window company right by them. Like they make like a hundred different shapes of window, um, and and it includes like the trim kit, the interior, like piece you know all the little things it sounds like the only thing we'd really have to contract out is uh spray foaming the inside to make it well insulated realistically probably like that's that would if you want to go if you want to go all out that would be the way to do it you could also just get the roll foam and do it kind of half-assed but spray foam is that that would that would make it super dense and isolated too no rattles less less ping in the panels and Hmm. um, it's doable. It's also a project. The upside on this it, is really high. It could be a fun project. And realistically, I think you could um if say you say you bought a van and you say you you know you bought a, a used van, a CPO van, whatever, and you put 8,000 bucks into building it out, I think it's probably worth more than 8,000 bucks more if you do a good job. That's the thing. Yeah. It's not going to sounds... be It's not going to be like putting 8 grand into your Evo 10. It's gonna be like God. it's gonna be like putting four grand into your Evo ten and getting eight grand out. I think. Yeah. Plus, you get to enjoy the experience of sleeping at the track. I I can't say enough about having an RV, and I'm tired at two a.m. You're driving, and it's like, all right, let's find a place. And like in five minutes, you brush your teeth and you're in bed. Like it's the best, dude. You're not sleeping in yep, the front seat of a car. Your feet aren't in the, stuck under the gas pedal like you're in a bed or you're on a couch. Your buddies are on the couch and in the in the dinette and you're sleeping in the bed and it's like it's the best. I mean, be just, I'm just telling you, you're man. just you're prepared, you know, love being prepared. Yeah, I'm going to do some van shopping and then you and I need to make a couple weekend days. Could be fun. Maybe we're building a van. Um I mean, bare minimum stuff. I mean, you, I th- I think I would budget six grand to build one out, uh, and you could do a nice job of it for about six. I think. Yeah. Um, now I need a transit van. You use some IKEA stuff. You buy some IKEA cabinets. You mount. You, you know, you there's mo- a you million Amazon plywood. Prime transit vans flying around here in Indianapolis because that's how they oh, yeah. deliver packages around here. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
there's got to be an old Amazon Prime high top van that needs to be purchased somewhere. There, there, uh, there's going to be a lot of vans coming up used. Uh, but I, w- I think you'd be surprised how many vans are out there with like a hundred thousand highway miles, and they trade it in because it's out of warranty or something, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, so. Anyway, Ashley yeah. just got home, uh, and we're, we are like forty some minutes in. So. Yeah, I think maybe we show. just did a show, and maybe we attack on Derek's show after this. Maybe we talk about Mid Ohio GLTC afterwards. A different show? I don't know. Maybe we should do two shows. Yeah, maybe it's a different show. I think we might have just done a show, Abe. But, yeah. Um, and, we talk and, about vans uh, and other stuff people don't care about. Well, we also talked about racing a little bit, so we kind of got true to the slope angle roots. But, so, um, uh, actually, there was one more thing I wanted to mention, and it's only because I don't know if we're right. What's that? A couple of years ago, uh, we were trying to figure out if the... Uh, street tire record at Mid-Ohio was anything faster than a like 130.0. Yep. And uh, Tom went around a couple years ago in a stock Viper ACR and went pretty fast. He did a 29 something. Yep. And uh, Luke McGrew coming off of a fresh rebuild just Mm -hmm. did a 28.9, which as far as I can tell is the street tire record. So that's pretty cool. Probably. Yeah. It's a, it's a little more hopped up than the ACR that Tom was driving, but it's also got the same tires on it. So Yep. Um, Car's pretty good, man. Yeah, I, I was really impressed. Uh, we'll talk more about Mid-Ohio with, with Derek, but I was super impressed with how many freaking times. Uh, and Tom and I talked about it over and over on the live stream, um, which if I think you go to what, grid.life slash live, you can watch it, or on the Grid Life YouTube channel now. Um, Let me see if that's right. It's chopped up into... I know GLTC is chopped up into pieces. I think Time Attack is chopped up into pieces on the YouTube channel already. But uh, it was on grid.life slash live. But uh, it is we talked there. about it. Yeah, Tom and I talked about it over and over. Like, oh my gosh, Luke McGrew does all the laps. And Luke McGrew resets the record four times every session. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah. that I think he said that car has like... I think something like 13,000 miles on it. And 8,000 of those are track miles. Yeah. It's a good car. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 becoming more and more well driven too. Luke is like slaying the eye racing, putting all the seat time in, and doing nothing but smiling, looking like the Marlboro Man in the paddock. It's uh, and, he has a good time. Uh, he, Nicest dude. He too. pours pours the monsters uh, down his gullet. That's for sure. Yeah, freaking James Houghton resets the overall record. Luke resets track rec- uh, the track mod record over and over and over. James uh, Forbes stomped on everybody in street mod. Street mod was ridiculous. It was almost almost four seconds. Uh, did Austin Hurdle reset the street record? I forget who. No, Chris Newman did. Oh, that's right, an M three. I forgot. Uh, I think they and, went back uh, and forth, didn't they? Matt Williams also set a record in the fit. He improved. By yeah, it was seconds. the like the only records that weren't that weren't broken were like uh, drivetrain records. I think like all wheel drive street didn't get broken because there weren't many of them there, but. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was nuts, man. Yeah, Chris Newman went super fast in the red M three, fresh rebuild. <laughs> he surprised everybody. I don't know what yeah. happened, but he I, and that I, car got, I wonder got if it's fast. like the fact that he put he put rear rear cage in and like made the car stiffer and didn't fall apart. And <laughs> maybe uh, maybe having more car around him, um, you know, increased the uh, the cojones a little bit. But uh, that dude from Minnesota speaking went real fast, speaking so. of cojones, I rode with Matt Williams in his fit, yeah, and. That guy can wheel that car. It he was right. amazing. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, he would run that what? deep into the 50s in a car with like 100 wheel horsepower. <laughs> it's pretty good. Like, uh, what is it? The, the, le- the sharp high-speed left-hander um, almost near the carousel. You you try yeah, and stay yeah. like super wide track right. That's I, I, I swear that's if I had put my 11. hand, okay. Yeah. I swear if I had put my hand outside the window at all, I yeah. would have lost my hand. Like no, you're I mean, supposed to you're supposed to touch the wall with your mirror. That's what the mirror is for. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, we had we had a lot of fast slip angle listeners there that weekend. Uh, yeah, Mr. Newman, uh, Matt Williams, a bunch of fast dudes. Houghton. Uh, it was it was good to see all of our buddies go real real fast, uh, and it, the the weather held out. The track was solid. The track was, the track got really good on Sunday, um, and then uh, obviously next show we'll talk about GLT GLTC, and it was just, I I don't want to say it was the best track weekend of my life. Uh, I didn't even get on track, but like it was to me, it I came away feeling like, like everything just kind of like the stars aligned. It was like. It was a weekend that I feel like we'll have a tough time replicating because it was so good on track. So yeah, right. On anyway, that high note, we should probably yeah. end. Yeah, and we do have uh, Summit Point driver spots. There's a few still available. We have some Time Attack spots available, and uh, so go to Grid Life and check out some of that stuff. But uh, we have that should be two, a two weekends. Uh, it should be a good event for for points. Um, yeah, we made some scoring adjustments compared to last year, and. Um, None of the events are weighed more heavily this year than uh, compared to last, so that means I'm, I'm, that uh, I'm really looking forward to meeting new people too, because there's going to be a lot of fresh faces out there that haven't uh, ventured west because that's it's too far for them. So I know a lot of Atlanta well, people so. and a lot of a lot of new. A bunch of listeners have messaged me that they are coming out to the event. So um, we'll, we'll be exciting. on a little bit of a smaller crew. It's going to be our smallest event of the year too, uh, but it should be kind of real intimate, more seat time. Uh, and Shenandoah Circuit looks freaking rad. If you haven't seen in-car footage of that place, it looks bonkers fun. So, should be a good time. I'm looking forward to that event. So, but um, all right, buddy. Yeah, man. I uh, I hope you have a good night with the wife. I'm gonna go to bed. I've been I've been up for way too many hours. I think I've got a combined like 12 hours of sleep in the last four nights. So, that sounds typical. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. See ya. See ya. Slip Angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the Pits at a Gridlife to say hello.